Hello and welcome to the Cycling Central podcast. I'm Philip Gomes and we're here as a two-hander today to discuss uh, stage four of the Tour de France. I'm here uh, with uh, Anthony Tan, as always. Anthony. How are you, Phil? Now, um, last night's stage, stage four, uh, was uh, was another sprint stage and to the delight of just about everyone, it traveled along at a, at a reasonable pace and ended as we expected in a sprint. Uh, it was also the longest stage of the tour uh, this year. The winner, Marcel Kittel. The sprinters are lining up and they're winning the stuff that they're supposed to win. But just ahead of Brian Cocard from uh, Direct Energy. Peter Sagan, again, always in the mix. Third place. Green jersey. Dylan Gronwegen from uh, Lotto Yumbo, which is a good result for him. Alexander Kristoff getting a little bit closer to a win, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Sandra Inger uh, in sixth. Daniel McClay, who, to be quite honest, I'll be fair and say I have no idea who Daniel is. He's from Great Britain, and he rides for Fortunao uh, Vital Concept. Cav finished eighth, and Sam Dumala and Simon Garens rounded out the top ten. Pretty solid stage, though, one way or the other. I mean, kind of box ticking, but it moves along. Well, there was a um, an uncategorized climb towards uh, the finish there, Phil, and I it didn't dislodge any of the sprinters, but it made things more difficult leading to the finish which was already a difficult finish around I think the last 500 meters at about five percent so Kittel actually won the stage that was the hardest for the sprinters so far other than stage two of course won by a Sagan so uh, it shows you that well there's one thing is to do with positioning and it's also to do with just simple willpower, I think. You know, I, a lot of people were predicting Greipel because after the, the photo finish of the previous stage, um, which Cavendish won, and then we had another photo finish, only this time it was even closer. So there, there's not much in it. And then you, you mentioned the the British writer, Daniel McClay, and then there was this uh, guy, uh, Dylan Kroenwegen from the Netherlands. So he... Um, these guys, they're almost freelancing off the bigger teams. And I, I think, you know, this is the perfect marketplace if you're going to pick up a sprinter. And there's there's not much in it between the sprinters. That's what I've noticed. It's I thought Kittel was head and shoulders above the rest after watching him at the Giro. But I, I don't think that's so much the case here at the Tour. They're all in top form. It's just a matter, you, you look at Kittel's team, they, they rode perfectly uh, last night as opposed to the previous stage where they pretty much stuff things up. So they, they do learn. Looking at the stage, is that, that that finish, is that the reason why we're seeing Simon Garens finishing 10th? Like uh, did OG sort of, nom- it looked like they kind of nominated him to be, uh, to be the finisher uh, for uh, stage four and not bling. You mentioned it, Phil, so I don't want to be castigated by the Cycling Central audience as a poo stirrer, but... <laughs> In, in this instance. But you the, are. But I am. And the, that Gerens, if you noticed, uh, he was being led out by Daryl Impey. And then you had Matthews over the other side of the road. So I said it when I did the podcast with uh, Jamie Finch-Penninger. And I said, look, uh, you know, look, this uh, I'm not just making this stuff up, but these guys, for me, haven't sorted their stuff out. Last night was a case in point. I mean, this this is ridiculous. Why why have you got one guy finishing tenth, another guy 
uh, 14th and and one of those only been let out. You know, Guerin's been let out by MP. So what, Matthews just does it all on his own? And it's it's almost, it, what's their strategy here, Phil? Is it just, let's just get to the finish and then what, let's hear what Whitey has to say and what Whitey says is, oh, just see how you go. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems that they're a little bit, a little bit loose in terms of what their planning is. It, and it's, it doesn't work, though, against the caliber of a Kittel and a Greipel and a Sagan. Cavendish. Cavendish. You just can't do that at the tour. Yeah, yeah. One of the amusing, uh, one of the amusing takeaways uh, from the stage, uh, the stage last night was the end result of that close finish was with uh, Brent Cocard um, uh, saying, I think I belong with the greats now. I'm young, but I'm a winner. I could see I was making it back, but it was not enough. I'm very disappointed, but I must not give up. There are still lots of chances left. There is no mistake in the sprints. The stronger wins. I was never so close to victory, but I haven't won yet. Or never as close to victory, but I haven't won yet. I want to win this year on the tour. But come on, Brian, you're fooling yourself. I think I belong with the greats. Yeah, he doesn't belong with them. If he actually kept the greats, don't stuff up. He, he, he basically lost a stage because he didn't keep his line. He tried to actually shoulder a guy. Gipple. Gipple. I mean, yeah. that, that was a David and Goliath battle. <laughs> and he clearly, yeah, I mean, the, the, the little guy, Cockard, yeah. Well, Cockard is a little bit cocky, isn't he? And <laughs> the thing is, Gronwagen, it's interesting, these, these young guys, you know, you know, these young guys, Gronwagen also said something to the effect of, I think, re- really, the only guy who's faster than me at the tour, or as fast, is Cattell. And this guy finished fourth. So, I don't know. Mate, <laughs> there might be some truth in it, because like I said, if if they all had these lead-out trains that Cattell and, well, to some extent, Cavendish and Gripel have, then how would they all go? But... They have earned the right to have these lead-out trains because of what they've done previously. Yeah, uh, this actually kind of leads in leads into our next uh, our next point, I guess, um, on this on stages like this one, which was Froome uh, fighting back really about uh, in regards to comments that some of the other fast men have been making about the GC guys mixing it up in the sprints, and this is true. This is what's happening. So you've got cocky young guys like Cocard, uh, Gronwagen against. Hitters like uh, like Greipel, like Kittel, like Cav, who've got the runs on the board. And nowadays, you've got the GC guys all fighting to position to make sure they don't lose a second of time because the race does come down to seconds. I mean, last year it was 70 seconds between Froome and, uh, and Quintana. It's starting to get a little bit messy. And what's gone is the old respect that uh, some riders uh, had for the established order, in a sense. That's disappeared. Yeah, and... I think these GC guys uh, almost, it's like um, they're hoping for a split. Like we saw that stage two to Sherberg and uh, we, well, look what happens when Richie Port gets a puncture or uh, the thing is also that stage two, when there is a hilltop finish, there is no three kilometer rule. So these seconds are quite important in the scheme of things when you think that Quintana if if you ruled out that stage where he you know lost a, a minute and 28 seconds to Froome last year then he would have 
I think he would have won by 16 seconds or yeah, something like that. So yeah. the the thing is, yeah, it's it's so close. They do have a right to be there, but yeah, I, I guess uh, how you know sh- should they should be they be mixing it up until one kilometre to go? No, perhaps not. I mean that creates a danger in itself. But I I, I don't I don't know. I mean the the sprinters teams perhaps that three kilometer rule might need to be revised somewhat. Yeah, I mean maybe you split you split the the three kilometer rule on sprint on sprint stages for the GC guys and make it, make it a little maybe you start five k out from the finish for the GC guys so they can sit up and relax a little bit and let the trains do their business at the end. But three and a half three k maybe that's just a little bit too close to the finish yeah i think on a flat stage after you've done 230 kilometers why does what does it matter if it was 5k out instead of three that would give the sprinters teams time to to get themselves together organize and then you'd see a, a quite a nice lead out because obviously we're trying to stop crashes we saw quite a few in the first two days we didn't see any last, last night. night so um, yeah, I, I think that would perhaps be better, but we're not the organizers. No, that's right. Let's look forward to uh, what's coming up on uh, stage five, which is going to be exciting. A very interesting stage. Richie Port had some very interesting things to say about the stage as well. It's 216 kilometers, uh, approximately 5,400 uh, meters and six climbs with one intermediate sprint. It uh, runs from Limoges to uh, Le Lorient. That's That should open things up. And, and uh, as Richie Port said overnight, it should create some gaps and splits and, um, and sort things out and make the race a little bit easier for everyone from this point on. Yeah, but for all bar the the oldest uh, cycling aficionados, you will not remember a finish in Le Lorient because... The last time they were here, the first time and last time they were here was in 1975, uh, and it was uh, won by Michel Polentier, who, if you if you remember, he was the guy who I've tried got, to I've got him on speed dial. evade a doping control by using someone else's urine, which subsequently failed when the doping control officer saw him do that. <laughs> he used a condom full of urine to yeah he he peed in the bucket and yeah awesome yeah <laughs> yeah anyway i'm sort of getting sidetracked so this this finish yeah the, the last 40 kilometers you've got um, five categorized climbs I, I would say these types of stages feel at the tour uh, perhaps as or if not more difficult than the high mountain stages because they're very unpredictable. It's it's always up and down. The descents are super dangerous in in this area. In fact, we came here uh, on a stage at the 2011 Tour de France. Actually, that was a stage where Vokla took the yellow jersey and he held it for 10 days and people didn't think he could back up what he did in 2004. In fact, he went on to finish fourth overall in Paris. Clearly, that obviously that was the year that Cadell Evans won. But the, these are the types of stages that can initiate that. That breakaway got eight minutes, and then you know Volkler did everything he could to get the Maillot, which he held on three days before the finish. And also, it was the day that uh, the French TV car knocked over Johnny Holgerland and Juan Antonio Fletcher, uh, and miraculously. 
they they finished. They got up and they they made it to Paris. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, Jesus. That, that was that was incredible. We're gonna get. We're obviously gonna see a shake on GC tonight. It's gonna happen. Not huge, not huge, but a shake up. A yeah. shake up. Yeah. Are you anticipating any rider in particular tonight? Well, I mean, with Richie now almost two minutes back, this is perfect for him. Why doesn't he go on the offensive? I mean, these these are the types of stages where he might be allowed some rope. This this is the advantage of being a, a little bit behind. And, you know, we're, we're edging ever closer now to the the first real high mountain stage in, you know, in the Pyrenees. We've got uh, that first rest day next Monday in Andorra. Uh, so, you know, this, this will give us a really good indication of uh, who's, who's in Nick to win the tour. Yeah. Here's what, uh, here's what Richie said. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting on, getting to the climbs tomorrow. We've done the recon on the stage and there are a couple of nasty climbs in there, but also the run-in is a nasty technical downhill. So that could play a part in it too. There's a bit of a kick at the finish. So for sure, the last 40 kilometers are really going to trim the field a little bit, which is a good thing. It won't be so hectic as it's been. So that pretty well sums it up, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, uh, the the local rider in this area is Roman Bardet. Uh, he said that the climbs of the the Pass de Perot and the the Perthus, um, they're the third last climb and second to last climb are harder than the finish to Le Lorient. So really, I think you'll, you'll see the action pretty much from the gun. You'll, you'll see a race within a race. And, uh, but the race for the GC guys will definitely, you know, be there with at least, you know, 30, 40 kilometers to go. Because it was a pro forma stage, um, with a sprint finish, there really wasn't much else to take away from, from the day. I mean, did anything else grab you? No, it was just the, I just thought it was, it was comical, but it wasn't so painful to watch just, Orica bike exchange, I, I stuffing up. I, I just can't understand. There, there's a lack of cohesion, and I, I've heard, you know, from the reports coming through overnight that you know there there was a clear aura of despondency among the team. No one was talking. It's interesting because um, just rifling through the uh, the Getty image image uh, database from last night's stage at the start, there's a terrific image in there. And I might post it up on my personal uh, Twitter account if, uh, if uh, you guys want to follow me and, and have a look. But it's, uh, it's the entire team in the background, right? You can see all of them there. And there's After Bling. After the stage? No, at, the, at, the, uh, at the, the start of the stage, mm. right? I'm pretty sure it was at the start. But either way, the entire team's in the background and Bling's in the foreground with his head down just leaning on his handlebars. Really quite separate from the team. And I, I thought the body language looked kind of interesting. Well, for me, this that stage said a lot because it tells me that Bling has indicated or White, no doubt, has got wind of his intentions to leave for Giant Alperson next. You, you just wouldn't, you, you just wouldn't ride like that. That that finish was made more for Matthews than it was for Garens. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. look, he, he he won. Look how he won the under twenty three worlds in Geelong. I mean. Was that so different a finish? No, it's it's he's he's been that rider for well since we since he be, since he won that world title. So, I mean, tonight's yeah. stage is a stage for Garen's. Last night's stage is a stage for Matthews. Yet, yet they rode for Garen's. Impy let out Garen's. Yeah, yeah, stupid, very odd. 
Well, that's um, that pretty much brings us to the end of uh, of this particular uh, this particular episode. Um, tonight's stage, as we just discussed, stage five. It's one you definitely want to tune into. Uh, we're live on SBS uh, from 10 p.m. AEST. We're live around the country, and uh, and of course you can uh, also watch uh, in the Skoda Tour Tracker online or in the apps on your phone if you haven't downloaded it yet. Please go to uh, the iTunes or the uh, Google Play Store and download the app. It's really quite terrific. And uh, you'll have that nice uh, second screen experience. That's pretty well it from us today. So uh, we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.